A very, very good morning to all of you, TCM family, in Jesus' name. We greet you, we love you, we thank God for you, we thank God for your lives, and we thank God that the best is yet to come in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Nothing and absolutely nothing excites us more than the purposes of God. We are involved in the greatest cause of all time, and that is the cause of Christ. All other kingdoms have come and gone, but we are part of an everlasting kingdom that will never end. And today, as we wrap up the series on Lordship, I'd like you to turn, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, reading from verse 46 to 49. And the title of the message this morning is, Come, Listen, and Do. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49, reading from the Amplified Version, the Bible reads the following. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and obeys them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man building a house, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and yet could not shake it because it had been securely built and founded on the rock. But the one who has merely heard and has not practiced what I say is like a foolish man who built a house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it and immediately collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. Luke chapter 6 from verse 46 to 49. In the Afrikaans translation, the Bible reads the following. And what numielame, yere, yere, and do ni wat ik sê nie. Elkeen wat na my toe kom, en na my woorde luister en dit doen. Ek sal jylle wees soos wie is hy. Hy is soos een groot, hy is soos een man, wat een huis bou, wat gegrawe, en diep ingegaan, en in die fundament op die rots geleed, en toe die vloedwater kom, en die stroom teen daar die huis losbreek, kon hy dit nie beweeg nie, omdat sy fundament op die rots was. Maar wie dit hoor, en dit nie doen nie, is soos een man wat een huis sonder fundament op die grond bou, en die stroom het daar teen losgebreek, en, het, en, en dit het dadelijk geval, en die instorting van daar die huis was groot. Lukas hoofstuk 6 van vers 46 tot 49. So, number, so the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives is evidenced through our obedience to the word. So if you're listening to this, everybody say obedience to the word. Right? So how do we know this? Because in verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Or in the Greek translation of the word Lord, it's kurios, which means supreme ruler. Ruler over everything. You know, ruler over my life. Ruler over, over everything that I have, everything that I own. It's the word kurios. And then he says, And you do not do what I say. So as you can see, the Lordship of Christ is not just evidenced in coming to Jesus and listening to Him, but also in doing 
or obeying what he says. Number one, if you have your pen with you, write this down. The fruit of lordship is obedience. You always know a tree by its fruit. If there's no fruit on a tree, it's very difficult to try and figure out what kind of tree that is. In the same way, how do we know whether Christ is truly the Lord of someone's life? That person is not just a hearer of the word, but he's a doer also. Now, I want to get this straight that it's as a Christian, the moment you're born again, you become instantly righteous in your spirit. Your, your born again spirit is completely perfect, holy, righteous. But now there's a process of sanctification. So as you begin to grow in the Lord, you become more and more like Christ and your life starts to take the shape of a follower of Jesus. So this is not saying that from the moment you become born again, that you automatically for the rest of your days are always going to live in obedience all the time. But there definitely will be a desire and an, and an intrinsic uh, willingness to want to obey the Lord. It, 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 sin will start, to, will start to be very displeasing to you. When you're truly born again, you don't find pleasure in sin and you do not habitually practice sin. You might fall into sin, but you will definitely not find joy in sinning because your born again spirit is made and created in the image of God, is completely righteous and is completely holy. So how do we know whether someone or whether Christ is truly the Lord of someone's life? He's not just a hearer, but he has a deep desire to do the word as well. So he desires wholeheartedly to live a life of complete obedience to the will and to the word of God. So when we receive, when we receive Christ as Lord, we receive eternal life. So we receive spiritual life and we are born again. We all know this. So we receive a new nature. We receive the very nature of God and we have an automatic desire to obey him. It's there. If you don't have a desire to obey God, you've got to question whether you're truly born again. Because when you're a born again individual, there's just such pleasure. You want to go God's way. You want to obey his word. You want to live out his will. And uh, anything contrary to the word of God will actually become displeasing to you. This is all the work of grace and the unmerited favor of God. So somebody who is truly born again will not find pleasure in sin and disobedience because it's not in his nature anymore. Even if a born again child of God sins, it causes him great grief and no joy. God in his mercy even gives us the ability to obey him. So grace doesn't just require obedience, but provides the means to obey as well. I'm going to repeat that again. Grace doesn't just require obedience, but it also provides. It provides the means or the tools or the power to obey as well in Jesus name. Number two, obedience provides a secure foundation. Write that down. Obedience provides a secure foundation. The strength of a foundation always determines how long a building can and will last. Jesus makes a comparison of two men in the scripture we just read. The one comes to him, hears or receives his word and does the word. 
The other comes to him, hears the word, but doesn't do the word. So the only thing separating the two men is obedience. Both of them come, both of them hear, but only one of them obeys and the other one doesn't obey. So it's not coming, it's not hearing that separates the two, it's the actual obedience or the, the practicing of the word of God. So Jesus goes on to tell a story of what happens to either man in the form of a parable. So Jesus says, the man who obeys is like a man who builds a house and founds it on a rock. Now a rock is the firmest foundation you could possibly build on. Floods in all forms will come. Trial and tribulations will come. The floods represent anything that would come to bring destruction and destroy your life or get your Christian life off course. It could be persecution for following Christ. It could be various forms of trials. So Jesus never said that building the house on the rock would prevent floods from coming. Because we live in a fallen world, we will have trials and more so for following Jesus. But when they do come, we want to make sure we've built on the rock called Jesus Christ. So that when we are able to outlast or, or we'll be able to outlast any storm and still be found standing. So obedience causes your foundation to outlast the floods. Obedience causes your foundation to outlast the floods. The man who didn't do the word or obey the Lord built on sand. And we all know the end result. He had no foundation when the trials and tests of life came and was completely destroyed. Number three, obedience to the Lord proves our love for him. The Bible in 1 John chapter 5 from verse 2 to 3 reads the following. By this we know without any doubt that we love the children of God, expressing that love when we love God and obey his commandments. And or for the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. And his commandments and precepts are not difficult to obey. Praise God. First John chapter 5 from verse 2 to 3 in the Amplified Version. So we don't obey the Lord because we have to. It's not, an, it's, it's not an obligation. We obey because we love Him. And obedience is the natural response to the one you love. His commandments are not difficult or heavy to obey. So let me give you an example to illustrate this a bit better. So because I love Cindy, giving to her and serving her is a joy and not a burden. Because she truly makes me happy and I love her from the heart. Doing things for her really gives me joy as well. So seeing her happy motivates me to do more for her. I am pleased when she's pleased. It's the same in our love for the Lord and His love for us. Because He first loved us, as the Bible says, we now respond in love to Him and we wouldn't want to do anything displeasing to the one that we love. Number four. Our obedience to the Lord glorifies Him in the world. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12 in the Amplified Version again reads the following. The Bible says, Keep your behavior excellent among the unsaved Gentiles. Conduct yourself 
honorably, with graciousness and integrity, so that for whatever reason they may slander you as evildoers, yet by observing your good deeds, they may instead come to glorify God in the day of visitation when He looks upon them with mercy. When we as Christians conduct or live our lives honorably amongst unsaved people, they will eventually observe our good deeds and obedience to the Lord and will glorify God. So when God begins to draw them, when God begins to touch their lives, they'll begin to remember that you lived your life honorably and that God must be real in your life. So when God begins to visit them with His mercy, there's an immediate response where they begin to glorify Him as a result of what they've observed in you. So our obedience is not just for us. It witnesses and testifies to the world among us. As Christians, it matters how we live our lives. It matters how we walk in integrity. Believe it or not, but your life is the only Bible most unbelievers will ever read. Do you treat them with honor? How do you show up at work? Do you honor your bosses or rebel against them? Are you the solution finder in your team or are you the troublemaker? Are you depressed, negative, talking down, agreeing with the world or are you the salt and light among them? Do you inspire them? Do you lead them? So our obedience glorifies God. It's critically important that we understand that as a Christian, our lives matter and how we live our lives matters and our obedience to God's word matters because we live in a world where, where, where unbelievers would, would want nothing more than to slander a Christian as an evildoer. But when you live your life with such integrity and such uh, honor that they have nothing, they are silenced and they are almost amazed that people like this can live with such integrity and honor that when God begins to visit them in His mercy, they'll begin to glorify Him as a result of the way you've lived your life. Number five, Obedience opens up avenues to see the blessing of God manifest in our lives. John chapter 13 and verse 17 in the Amplified Version reads the following. It says, if you know these things, and this is Jesus talking, he says, if you know these things, you are blessed, happy, and favored by God if you put them into practice and faithfully do them. So knowing something is one thing. Obedience to what we know is the key to seeing the blessing of God manifest in our lives. Now, let me clarify something. We don't seek to obey God to obtain right standing with God. The obedience of Christ on our behalf has already done this. Obedience is the natural response to believing and trusting in the finished works of Jesus Christ. Any obedience outside of this is dead works. But the grace of God truly empowers us to obey the Lord even more. And guess what? It's not even burdensome. It's a joy. Jesus always commanded people to put what he says into practice. Christianity is very practical. Christians have become irrelevant in the world today because we've become impractical. We want to spiritualize everything, but we are not practical. We do not take the word of God and simply put it into practice. When we walk in loving obedience to the Lord and His Word, we begin to see the blessing of God demonstrated in every area of our lives. 
When we obey the principles set out in the word of God, we live successful lives. When we disobey them, we pay the price. You see, many times God is blamed unfairly for many of the things that the human race goes through. And I think many times we just blame God because it's an easy cop-out. You see, we go and we say, we want to pass the responsibility and pass the blame back on God. Because what happens is, it's human nature to always want to blame shift and look for a scapegoat. So in a nutshell, what that means is that so often, um, and this was manifested in the Garden of Eden right at the beginning. Eve blamed God for putting the serpent in the garden. So instead of owning it and saying, you know what, it was me. I made a mistake. She blamed God. Adam, when confronted by the Lord, instead of saying, I was the one who disobeyed, what did Adam do? He said, the wife you gave me. So once again, Adam blamed, he shifted the blame to God. And so many times, it's a chronic human problem that, that we, we, we love blaming God for things that are really not God. There are many principles in God's word that apply to every area of uh, our human lives. So God gives us guidance in the word and how to handle our finances. So the, the Bible warns us against getting into debt. And what do we do? We disobey God's word. We get ourselves into debt and then we get into slavery. And then we go and we want the prophet to wave his hand over us that the debt will just, will just disappear. But it's not practical, you see. We, we, we try to over-spiritualize everything that we don't understand that Christianity is an extremely practical thing. Jesus was practical. There were people who, who followed Him for three days. The Bible says the people, these people didn't even know that they were hungry because they were following Christ. But Christ knew that because they had nothing to eat for three days, they probably were hungry. And he turned around and he couldn't just ignore the practical needs that people had. And he desired to feed, to feed them. And he did. So Christianity is very, very practical. It's more practical than what we make it out to be. It's more practical than we make it out to be. So we cannot just abdicate. We cannot just pass our, our responsibility back on God and say, well, if it's God's will, it will happen. Or if it's not His will, it won't happen. No, no. There's a responsibility that God has placed on us. And we need to ensure that we fulfill that responsibility. It is very, very important to understand that we are more responsible than what we would like to believe in many, many areas of our lives. So in closing, we see the importance of believing and receiving Christ as Lord of our lives. This declaration of Lordship effectively means that we are no longer the owners of our lives we bow our knees and our hearts to King Jesus and submit every area of our lives to His control and Lordship. Over the course of this series, our prayer is that the Word of God would have found a place in your heart and that the Lordship of Christ is more understood and that you can practically apply it in every area of your life. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal King Jesus to your heart and cause you to surrender to His Lordship. The Bible says, No man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. And my prayer to you tonight as we conclude the series on Lordship is that, number one, you would have learned so much from God's Word on the principle of Lordship. Number two, 
My prayer is that you will not have just received the word, listened to the word, but that you will actually practice the word. So maybe the Holy Spirit would have shown you throughout this month areas of your life that has not been surrendered fully to the Lordship of Christ. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you will make a commitment to surrender those areas under His Lordship. How do you know they've been surrendered under His Lordship? It's when the Word of God comes to you that touches that area that you immediately come under obedience to the Lord. And not only hearing it and saying Amen, but actually carrying out and practicing what the Word is teaching us to do. In Jesus' name. So my prayer is that the Holy Spirit really will take the Word of God, bed it in your heart, cause it to grow roots, and that your life will begin to change under the principle of Lordship. Understand that Jesus is Lord. He is curious. He is master. He is ruler of everything. And I pray that he will be the ruler of your heart and of your life as well in the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot receive the benefits of the kingdom without fully surrendering to the king. It's not my will, Lord, but it is your will be done. You've got to pray that prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we conclude the series, I just want you to lift your hands where you are right now at every location. Pray with me in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for all of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring every single person under the sound of my voice before you right now. Father, I pray that the word of God that has been taught throughout this month, throughout the series on Lordship, would take root in every heart and every life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, I declare over every single person listening that by revelation of the Holy Spirit, that they'll begin to see you revealed. And as they see you high and lifted up, exalted, that they will bow their knees, bow their lives, bow their hearts completely to your Lordship, Climb off the throne of their own hearts and begin to enthrone you as King, Ruler and Lord of all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I declare over every TCM location that Jesus is Lord of our lives. Jesus is Lord of our churches. Jesus is Lord of every single area in Jesus name. And I declare right now that the blessings the benefits of the kingdom of God will come to every person who has received Jesus Christ as Lord. Maybe you, you're here today for the first time and you were maybe invited by a friend. Somebody brought you along and said, come with me to church. And as I've been ministering the word of God, the Holy Spirit is convicting you in your heart. And you know that you are not in right standing with God right now. You know that as you're listening to, to me speak, there's something in your heart that's saying, I need to make right with God. I know that if I die tonight, I'm not sure whether I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. I'm not sure whether I'm in the kingdom of God. But today I want to be certain. I want the Lord to give me the assurance of salvation. If that's you, wherever you are, Kimberly Bloemfontein in Colesburg, lift up your hand right now in the name of Jesus and say, Pastor, you're speaking to me. Please pray for me right now in Jesus' name. I want to make that decision and I want to make that commitment today. To receive Jesus Christ as Lord. If that's you, slip up your hand right now. Don't be ashamed in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you to Jesus. 
And after this, Christ would, would come into your heart. You'll be a brand new person. The old things are passed away. And the Bible says all things would have become new in Jesus' name. So if that's you, slip up your hand wherever you are. Say, yes, Lord, I receive you right now as Lord of my life. And I'm going to pray with you in Jesus' name. If that's you, say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. I believe you're alive today and that you are the King of Kings and you are the Lord of Lords. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn away from it right now in Jesus' name and I receive you as Lord of my life. I welcome you into my heart right now and I pray that you will come take your rightful place in my heart as the King and the Lord of my life. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Thank you that you've given me a new beginning, a fresh start. The old things are passed away. All things have become new. And as I commit on this journey, I pray, Lord, that you will give me the grace to continue with you till the end. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed this prayer this morning, this is the greatest decision that you ever could have made in your entire life. The Bible truly says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And if you confess Him as Lord of your life this morning, the Bible is true. You are born again. You are a brand new person in Christ. The old things have truly passed away and all things have become new. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to the house of God. We're so happy that you've made this decision and this is what it's all about. It's about Jesus Christ coming in and changing life for life for life for life in the name of Jesus. We want to reach people one soul at a time and bring them from darkness into light in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and Amen.